The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. The XFL is back, Uh, and on Saturday and Sunday, the four most watched sporting events of the weekend were all XFL games. Two on Saturday, two on Sunday. I'll confess that I watched probably more than I anticipated that I would, and I'm curious from you guys what you thought of the XFL, whether you watched what your takeaway was, and more importantly, what your takeaway will be in the weeks ahead. Now, to me, the most interesting thing about the XFL, if it were to last, and it's going to last, I'm told, at least two years. So everybody out there who's like, oh, this thing's not, it's going to last two years. Because it has a very good television contract with Fox and with, uh, with ABC ESPN. It's going to be well distributed. If you're out there and you're saying, well, the AAF, it started decently. People seem to care. Well, the AAF wasn't very well distributed. It was hard to find the games. Every week, there are going to be four XFL games. And they will be on either ABC or ESPN on Fox or FS1. So if you have a cable subscription, or even if you don't, if you just have 
uh, broadcast television, you should be able relatively easily to find these games. Millions of people watched on Saturday and millions of people watched on Sunday. To me, the uh, the XFL's long-range future is primarily going to be tied to the quarterback position because it's hard to find good quarterbacks in the NFL if it can become the case that guys who are just a little bit outside the fringe of the NFL but who believe that they have a chance going forward to one day be NFL quarterbacks, guys like Cardell Jones that you might remember a little bit from college, I think they will have a pretty good level of uh, of interest for the casual fan because you'll be thinking, oh, is this a guy who could be a backup for my team? Oh, I know this guy's story. I'm rooting for him. I think that could work with Cardell Jones. I think that could work with Landry Jones. When he gets healthy, he wasn't able to play for the Dallas team. Uh, I also think from uh, the uh, from the purposes of big picture, the XFL advantage that the NFL doesn't have is they can also sign anybody coming out of college. And I think this is going to be an advantage for them next year because I believe that they will start to pick off some freshmen and sophomores who are pretty good in college but don't want to come back for another season and are interested in going pretty much almost straight from playing college football into the XFL ranks to make a hundred or $150,000 a year plus be able to get all the endorsement money that you could possibly want as a sophomore otherwise in college or junior otherwise in college. You play for a year or two in the XFL, boom, you're on to the NFL. Will there be some guys that take that route? Yeah, I do. I think it opens it up for people who say, oh, pay college athletes. And you can say, well, if you're good enough to go pro, you can go to the XFL and make six figures instead of staying in college football. And I do think there will be guys that will decide to take that path into pro football a little bit early. And uh, the XFL could facilitate it. If the NFL is smart, I also think they will use the XFL as an overall laboratory to see about how their changes to the rules could make sense going forward for the NFL. Um, I think a couple of things already that are uh, that are pretty popular that I have seen that could end up in the NFL in the years ahead. I think the kickoff rule, actually really smart. I don't know how many of you watched the game, but something like 20 plus percent of all injuries come from NFL kickoffs and college kickoffs, even though they only occupy about 6% of the game. Why is that? Because guys can get a huge running start and because they have the ability to then hit other guys. And so the speed involved in a kickoff and the distance involved in running, the collisions are more violent than they are on other parts of the field. So what they do in the XFL is they have a guy kicking off from back, but there's only about 10 yards that separate the covered team from the receiving team. And I thought that worked pretty well. I thought that was interesting to see the way that that was set up. Um, I also thought that being able to see the debate about reviews was interesting and something the NFL might look into. 
sideline interviews during the game I thought were fairly intriguing and at times well done. So to me, the XFL had a very, very good debut. Now the question will be, how will it do in weeks two and three going forward? I don't think it's going to disappear like happened with the AAF because the television contract is better. And as a result, I think there will be a lot more staying power for the XFL. The other question that I think is out there, what happens with college basketball and the NFL, uh, sorry, college basketball and the NBA? Because this has typically been the time of year when everybody pivots towards the NBA and college basketball and pays attention to college basketball for a few weeks as we move into March Madness and then starts to pay more attention to the NBA as they move closer to the postseason. Is that going to remain the case? Again, the XFL games were higher rated than anything going on in college basketball or the NBA, and there were some big college basketball games, that crazy Duke-UNC ending. Uh, You had the Lakers continuing their run. Some games that were pretty well distributed and should have rated pretty highly that were beaten by a startup first-year XFL league. So I want to bring in the crew. I watched. I'm curious if you guys watched. I'm also going to open up the phone lines. 877-996-6369, Monday edition, Outkick the Coverage, as we talk about the XFL. What did you guys think? What did you like? Were there any things from the XFL that you think could make sense going forward in uh, the NFL. What uh, what were your thoughts in general? Danny G, did you watch the XFL? I did. And How I, many of the games did you watch? I watched three out of the four games. Like not full things, but just a part of right, it. Right, probably 75% of each of the what three was games. Your, so my thought, I should say this too, because this is the other question for people who didn't watch. My thought was the quality of the games was pretty good. Yeah. Right? Uh, and I, by the way, I liked hearing from the coaches on the sideline, everything else. But this was a pretty high level. In other words, if you're thinking you didn't watch – it's at least as good as, say, college football bowl games, right? Which do really, really well in terms of the ratings, even though most of them don't really matter that much. Uh, but that's kind of the equivalent of the quality of play that I thought, you know, hey, this is at least as good as a college football bowl game would be. Right from the jump, uh, Elijah Hood, a former Raider running back, leaped over that defender twitter blew up like okay these athletes are a lot of people watching on uh on social media it seemed like to me yeah uh it, it was definitely big on twitter and social media now, the kickoff you mentioned that's first that i wrote down on my notes definitely should be stolen by the nfl immediately joel Klatt talked about it on our show friday so i yep. was paying attention to it And it's so cool because when we were kids playing backyard or street football, it's exactly what we did. You couldn't run to the returner until he moved, until he got the ball. So everybody's standing still until he catches the ball. That is exactly what the NFL should do. And then the pace of the game was uh, nice. I liked it. Less timeouts, faster clock, college rules, One only one foot in. 
Open mics were great. Everything from hearing the coaches calling plays to the whole review process. And uh, I thought it was was funny where the, the guy in charge of reviews, he was so annoyed every time he had to look at the different camera angles. Yeah, right. And so it was, it, just having that kind of access made a huge difference. Yeah, I think especially for the instant replay review because – it's cloaked in such secrecy at times and people want to believe there's conspiracies involved or people are not being honest. You know what I'm talking about? That eliminating that and showing us, hey, these are just guys doing their job. Um, you know, Mike Pereira is the best at doing that that's probably ever existed uh, in the NFL in terms of making sense of it in real time. But I think if you have a guy who's really good like that, and can walk you through the thought process as he uh, is reaching that conclusion, that's good. Uh, I I think it's very helpful in this day and age when everybody wants to sometimes believe in conspiracies and not believe these are just guys sitting in front of computer monitors or, or television monitors trying to do the best that they possibly can to figure out exactly what happened. Dub, did you watch these games? Yeah, I watched on Saturday, and I... Like Danny G and yourself, I love the kickoff. I think it's something that will be adapted by the NFL. It just makes so much sense because it takes almost the risk. It, t- it lowers the uh, chances of injury so much, it seems, because they're not you it's know, really just smart, running into each really other. It's really a smart change, I think. Yeah, it is. And I also love the sideline interviews, especially after you know they'd go up to a player after he made a huge mistake and be like, uh, hey, what happened there, basically? Yeah. And it, you just, the player's kind of just on the spot there. Uh, the live mics with the coaches I thought was really interesting, hearing their play calls and stuff like that. And then I love the gambling stuff that with was the XFL. Good too. I mean, yes. they're just fully embracing and immersing themselves in the gambling aspect of things because I think they're smart enough to know, obviously, that a large portion of their audience is pretty much only watching because they're able to bet on football again, and it's after the Super Bowl. So I think it's super smart of them to really embrace the gambling aspect of everything with the line and the total. They left it on the scoreboard for ESPN and ABC. And the announcers can reference it. Yeah, which I really like to hear because, you know, watching a normal NFL game, you don't – you get your certain guys, you know, uh, that wink and nod at windows. it. Yeah. Right, exactly. But there, there's no winking and nodding here in the XFL. They are fully embracing it, arms wide open, and I love it. So I always uh, think it's it's totally artificial when you know, like a game's already decided, right? Somebody's winning by, let's say, 28 in a game, and all that matters is the over-under, and it's never discussed, right? To me, the only people still watching are the gamblers, right? And that the data actually reflects that that's true, uh, games that have uh, that stay within the number or close on the over under rate twenty five or thirty percent higher in the fourth quarter uh, than they otherwise would if they're not competitive in terms of who's going to win the game. Yeah, so why not talk about it? Why not change your broadcast style? To, you know, no longer really calling uh, a football game, but calling uh, a bet basically, which I would love to see in the NFL. But yeah, it was a uh, it was a gr- great opening weekend for the XFL. Yeah, and I believe I'm not mistaken, the first game, if you were a gambler, went over on a made field goal, and then they took it off because they got run into, and so then they tried to go and score a touchdown and got stopped on fourth down, yep, if it was I'm a not mistaken. really bad beat. Yeah, and so that game ended up going under, despite the fact that they had made the field goal to put it over. That was a tough one. I think all four unders hit, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, which is what I told you to take on lock it in because usually the defenses are ahead of the offenses in both college 
and the NFL at the start, and that's even more the case here where these guys were just put together. It's not like they have any any years of work prior to uh, to beginning their season. What about you, Eddie? Would you watch any of these? I said I was not going to watch any of it. I did end up watching about 30 minutes of the Houston-LA game and about 30 minutes of the Tampa Bay-New York game. How did it game. happen then that you ended up watching? I, I, you know, I found myself like in between going places or watching something and I, I'm like, I knew it was on, so I'm like, ah, I'll, I'll watch a little bit of it. I'll, I'll try and be fair-minded and give and it a chance. What did you chance. think? I was not nearly as enthusiastic about the quality of play as you guys were. Um, I but see, here's was, my thing. Let me, let me pause here. I think that the the quality of play guy is a total liar and and and, and, okay. and what i mean by this is if you put uh those teams in any uh, like a jersey of a team that you were used to right like if instead of the battle hawks versus you know whoever it was the the the, the avengers or whatever the heck their names were right if you put them in like Alabama and uh, LSU uniforms for college or if you put them in the New York Jets going up against uh, who's somebody who was mediocre last year the Jets going up against the Dolphins I don't think you would have been able to tell this is this is like my thing too with yeah it's you a watch bad take like, yeah like the triple A that's a bad take no you can't tell the difference it's totally you no. absolutely can't no it's yes, all psych it's all psychological no, it isn't. I've covered triple A baseball believe me there's a vast difference between can't major tell league baseball the average and person if you put them in New York, Yankee Stadium if you put a triple I totally disagree with you you're not going to convince me on this point you're, it's all psychological. I don't. I do not agree with that. So, what did you see that you were like, "Oh, the this is this is so much different in play than a, a good sized college game." Well, first of all, it's supposed to be professional football, not college football. So, I'm not comparing it against college football. I'm comparing it against professional football. Yeah, but you can't tell. But I'm, that's my point. If you have Alabama playing LSU. You can't tell the difference between Alabama LSU if you switch their uniforms. Then you, you can. What quarterback were you impressed with? I thought that Cardell Jones played pretty well. I, I I wasn't impressed with any of these quarterbacks, and there's nobody on any of these teams I care about watching. There's no star power on any of these teams. Yeah, but you know that's going to be the case. That goes to my point of you just don't know the people who are in the uniforms. Like, you knew that going in. Star but there has power, to be a reason be for me to NFL. want to watch, other than it's just football and we all love football. So, and there's no reason. And what reason is there to watch sports in general? The Houston-LA game, you said you watched 30 minutes of, Eddie. The Houston quarterback, P.J. Walker, threw for almost 300 yards and four touchdowns. He was the player of the game. Yeah, L.A.'s defense doesn't look so good. <laughs> well, you're just saying, though, which quarterback looked good. In the game, you saw the quarterback look good. I mean, I think that's where it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what ends up happening going forward. Now, Landry Jones couldn't play, so the Dallas, whatever their names were, uh, that's the part of the thing. Renegades. That's like, yeah, the Renegades. All right. So, like, I kept uh, looking at the teams. They and look I was like, like the Titans, by the way, the Renegades uh, uniforms. Yeah, I'm not sure which team is which. And, and like, you know, the Renegades against the Battle Hawks, I had to keep trying to, like, convince myself or figure out is which one's St. Louis and which one's Dallas. And even watching on television, I was like, I'm not sure which team is which. Um, and so I was having to figure out, you know, I'm not used to the uniforms. Uh, so, I mean, I think aspects like that. I thought the crowd, we didn't even talk about it. I thought the number of people in the stadium was actually kind of impressive, especially for the first game in Washington. Um, you know, th there were decent numbers of people that were there. 
So uh, I, I, I'm actually optimistic about uh, what this thing will do in week two and week three. I know my kids, and I don't know whether your kids cared out there. My two oldest, who are big sports fans, you know, otherwise sitting around playing Madden all day, they were pretty excited about the XFL, and they wanted to watch it too, and they were aware of it, my 12-year-old and my 9-year-old. Um, and so, uh, again, we'll open up the phone lines, 877-996-6369. Did you watch? What did you think? Um, and the larger question, what does it mean if this continues for the NBA and for college basketball, which is used to becoming sort of the center of our American uh, universe at this point in time. Also, are you with me or Eddie on your ability to distinguish between uh, the quality of play here? What did you think? Do, I want to get you guys' take on that as we bring you in. Do you buy into my argument that if you are saying the quality of play is not good, it's primarily psychological because you know it's minor league football? Because I watch a lot of NFL, and there are a lot of bad NFL games. Uh, I watched a lot of the Jets, for instance, uh, over the course of the year for whatever reason because I was gambling on Jets games. It felt like I always had to – the Jets were bad for much of the year. They were not very much fun to watch. Eddie, you were a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The quarterback play in the XFL was every bit as good as the quarterback play of Mason Rudolph and and of Duck Hodges this year. There's a lot of bad quarterback play in the NFL because there's only about what 12 or 14 guys that are actually good at the quarterback position in general so I thought that the quarterback play in the XFL was every bit as good as the average quarterback play in the NFL now the defenses aren't as good the skill position players aren't as good but I think if you just closed your eyes and put that in the red let's say the Redskins were playing the Jets there was nothing I saw in the XFL that was any worse than what a Redskins-Jets game might have been this year. Do you buy that, Danny G? Yeah, I guess it's your expectations. You know, when I tuned it on for the first time, I compared it to the now-defunct AAF League. To me, the talent level was much better than that because I watched that opening league as you did, and we talked about that when that league opened up last season. I don't know, as far as the debate between you and Eddie, I guess I'm somewhere in the middle there, but it didn't disappoint me as far as the uh, the talent level this weekend. I think so much of your thought process is based on the psychology. If you come in and know, there, there are some things where you watch it and you're like, you can tell if somebody's better than uh, than an average person, right? Like, I don't know anything about piano, but if I see a great uh, pianist, sit down and play the piano I'm gonna be like oh my god like that person is amazing at playing the piano right and I don't have to know anything if somebody is truly great at many different things you can tell the difference I think not to toot my own horn I think if you listen to an average local sports talk radio show and you listen to this show you're like oh that guy's better than the average person who does local sports talk radio I think if you watch, you know, I coach nine-year-old basketball. I think if you watch nine-year-old basketball, you can quickly tell who's better on a nine-year-old basketball game, and you don't have to know that much about basketball to be able to tell who's better. I think when you get into subtle variations of like AAA versus Major League Baseball or the XFL versus high-level college football versus the NFL, 
I think it's almost entirely psychological in terms of the average person watching and being able to tell exactly how good the quality of uh, the play is. What do you think, Dub? Well, look, I'm an, I'm addicted to football, first of all, so I'm like the wrong person to ask this question to. But I will say, I mean, some of these guys haven't played in a competitive game in like three or four years, you know, because a lot of these guys were practice squad guys or, you know, didn't get a lot of action in the NFL. So I, if you take that into consideration, I thought the quality of play was pretty damn good, you know, considering a lot of these guys haven't played in a competitive football game since college, which was, you know, like Aaron Murray. I know he didn't play great, but I mean, the last time he played in a meaningful football game was like four years ago. So yeah. if you take that into consideration, I thought the the play was pretty pretty good, all things considered. I didn't think, and to me, when I questioned, you know, like what was the play like, I didn't think that it appeared to me that they were having trouble getting lined up or running, you know, basic their basic pl- uh, offensive and defensive sets. And I didn't think the tackling was awful. To your point about how very frequently, what's one of the things that you look, look at and you think, my God, like this is awful in terms of tackling. Uh, I didn't think there were tons of missed tackles or anything else. Again, I think if you would put the average XFL game and you compare it with Jets Redskins, which is just a game that you know takes place, or or the Redskins against the Giants uh, this year, which we saw play twice. Like I didn't think that there was any way that the average person would be able to say, "Oh, that was XFL and that was NFL." This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. There are a lot of wacky things in the Oscars. Parasite wins for Best Picture. I watched Parasite this weekend. It was fine. I think this was an example of Hollywood wanting to send a message uh, about inclusion and diversity. So we're going to give the uh, we're going to give the Oscar to a uh, to a movie from South Korea. But I thought the wackiest thing was uh, Joaquin Phoenix getting up and accepting his Best Actor award. Is all sorts of rambling speech. It felt like the Joker. Like maybe he wasn't even playing the Joker. Maybe he was the Joker. He got up and uh, in an aggressive move, he decided to come off the top rope on Milk. Yes, Milk. Here's what he said to attack Milk. I think that we've become very disconnected from the natural world. And many of us, what we're guilty of is an egocentric worldview, the belief that we're the center of the universe. We go into the natural world and we plunder it for its resources. We feel entitled to artificially inseminate a cow. And when she gives birth, we steal her baby. Even though her cries of anguish are unmistakable. And then we take her milk that's intended for a calf and we put it in our coffee and our cereal. And I think we fear the idea of personal change. We could stop it. Because here. we think that we have to sacrifice something. Came out against milk. Are we pro or anti milk on the program? I wasn't anticipating. Look, this was what Ricky Gervais satirized. It is uh, this idea that when people win awards, they get up and they lecture us about how much more uh, brilliant they are than us in terms of whatever political views they have or whatever worldviews they have. And Ricky Gervais, I thought, brilliantly satirized this at the Golden Globes by pointing out that most actors and actresses aren't actually that smart. It's not like they went and got PhDs or they've spent very much time in college or getting graduate degrees or in school in general. 
So the idea that like they are somehow going to be more brilliant than the average person is really not necessarily the case. And the entire uh, Oscars were oftentimes, and this is where your eyes kind of roll back in your head, where everybody gets up and they lecture you. But I got to give Joaquin Phoenix here credit. I didn't expect for milk to be the target. Are we a pro or anti-milk show? You know, I don't really eat that much milk, drink that much milk, I guess drink more so than eat, uh, by and large. But I do think, you know, like the boys, my boys, like Cinnamon Toast Crunch and uh, and Honey Nut Cheerios and that kind of stuff, can't really eat that without milk. So I, I am pro-milk, I think, in general. Are you pro or anti-milk, Danny G? Was was Joaquin Phoenix onto something, or did you think, were you watching this like I was, and did you think maybe he's actually giving this speech as the Joker? Because I kind of halfway expected for halfway through the speech for like him to shoot out a, a, a you know canister into the audience and put everybody to sleep and uh, and take over with the Joker mask on. It was very uncomfortable, uh, and I feel like Joaquin Phoenix never had a good bowl of cocoa puffs. And I mean, you can't eat cocoa athlete, puffs with water. No, well, in the movie Friday. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you don't have any choice, if you can't afford Use milk, water. There's a difference between, yeah. uh, between, but it doesn't work as well. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's horrible. Yeah, my mom would also uh, tell that to us when we were kids. Uh, stop complaining about it unless you want to use water whenever we were out of milk. Yeah. Um, I think this show is going to be pro-milk. Like you said, as adults, we don't drink as much milk as we used to. But still, an ice-cold glass of milk, you know, when you go out to breakfast with your family, that's amazing. And chocolate milk, if you're an athlete, that is a, a great thing to have when you're recovering. Yeah, what do you think, Dub? Was it was uh, Joaquin Phoenix onto something? Should we all be anti-milk? Well, it got me thinking. Were you watching you know, when, this, too? When, when they I made was this? watching this. Yes. I was watching live along with so many other people. I mean, I don't even know the last time I had a glass of milk, first of all. So that got me thinking a little bit. It's got to have been at least eight to ten years for me. But I am very pro, uh, if not milk, dairy, okay? I mean, I love cheese, obviously. I love, uh, you know, maybe a nice little bowl of ice cream on a Sunday night. Who doesn't love that? So, I mean, I cannot get behind this uh, anti-cow dairy product uh, ordeal here with our boy uh, Joaquin, as you like to say. But uh, yeah, I, I, it was very uncomfortable for me watching. I, I was kind of like, "Where is he going with this?" And it you also, know, half the words I didn't even understand. Uh, so he was trying to sound super smart or whatever. So I mean, I don't know. It also it's, didn't even line up, right? Like when you can tell when someone's trying too hard to be deep, because oftentimes if you really unpack the argument, so yeah, the, our man Joachim, or what I'm just going to call him Phoenix. I don't like that first name; it's too hard to pronounce. So I'm going to call him Phoenix. All right. Our boy, the Joker. I'll just call him the Joker. Our boy, the Joker, stood up and he argued against milk, but he also came out against cancel culture. So I was like, well, how can you be against cancer? Cancer. Well, everybody's against cancer, I hope. But how can you be against cancer? Cancel culture, and then you're trying to cancel cows and milk. I was just I, like the logic of his argument didn't even really make sense. Uh, Eddie Garcia, we disagree about the XFL. Are you a milk guy or did you find yourself watching the Oscars and nodding along with our boy, the Joker, <laughs> saying this guy is a genius? No, I definitely was not. Uh, I mean, he may be a genius actor, but he's yes. not a genius. It doesn't in, necessarily in, translate into right, other fields. And, 
you know, some of these creative people, whether they're musicians or actors, are a little wacky, yeah. you know, to begin with. But uh, no, I'm definitely pro milk. And there, as a matter of fact, there are some sweets like uh, a really rich brownie or a cake. Yeah. I cannot oh, yeah. eat that yeah. or enjoy it without a glass of milk. So pro milk. It's a strong argument. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, donuts. Donuts yeah. are infinitely better with milk than without. I don't care. Totally who you agree. Are. We're, we're in lockstep on the milk. Yeah. I mean, so I just, I wasn't anticipating. I always enjoy watching the actor and actress speeches because I'm always in my head like, who is the craziest? Like, who is the looniest of the loony bins that's going to get up and lecture me? And it's a good point by Eddie. Like, just because you're a good actor doesn't actually mean that your talent transfers into something else, right? I mean, we see this all the time. Every time that an athlete tries to act, and we watch them in television commercials, and we're like, my, my God, they're bad. Like, I'm good on television, and I don't think I'm a very good actor. I'm good at playing myself all, every day for an hour. If you don't give me a script and you say, hey, just go talk, I'm pretty good. But when you tell me to memorize lines and then go deliver them, I can't do it in, in like a smooth way. Does that make sense? Like if you just if, if if they told me, hey, Clay, you're in this movie, you're gonna show up and you just sit and you talk like you're on the radio totally normally or like you're on television, I think you guys would watch it and be like, Oh, Clay Travis is a great actor. But as soon as I have to memorize specific lines, I'm thinking about my lines and I'm not speaking in a normal fashion. Does that make sense? So I can be even good on television and not very good as an actor. And that's basically performance. It's just a subtle difference in the performance. I don't think I would be great on a Broadway stage, but you put me on television and ask me questions, and I'm going to be as good or better than almost anybody in my field. And there are lots of people who can write that are great writers, but you get them on and ask them to talk, and they're a disaster. And so this idea that for some reason, actors or actresses are going to be good at political-related analysis is a totally uh, a lost universe. And it started from the minute Brad Pitt won, and it continued all the way through our boy, the Joker. But I thought the Joker was the worst of all. Did anybody think that anybody was worse than the Joker? I mean, the guys from South Korea couldn't speak English, and they were better than, uh, than, than our boy, the Joker, than Phoenix was in his speech. I think Laura Dern did the speech the way you should. She thanked her family and her friends and the yeah. people that worked with her on the film. And it was just very nice and to the point and positive. And then she was off the stage. Yeah. I just, yeah, I'm the same as you guys. I don't want to be preached to by actors or actresses. Did anybody watch Parasite other than me? No, I, I saw all the other movies that were up for best picture except for that one. Yeah. I don't racist. like reading subtitles. Yeah, because you're racist. Okay, uh, Joaquin. What, uh, what about did anybody else see Parasite? Anybody else on the program? Am I the only person who saw it? I would have I, to now. I did not see it. It was recommended to me by a friend. But yeah, I, I mean, it was fine. I mean, look. I liked, And I told you to gamble on that one. Remember, Roberto talked us out of it. Well, uh, the person who was most aggressive in telling me to gamble on it was Lance Taylor. Yeah. This is the fourth or fifth straight year that the, uh, if you pay attention to gambling odds, which is why I think watching the Oscars is kind of fun because you can gamble on, I won uh, the week on Lock It In, so I'll get to wear my crown again. But I won the week because Toy Story 4 won Best Animated Movie. Uh, and I had I had 1917, which I thought was a superior movie. But I think all of those Hollywood people are so afraid of being called racist 
that they vote for uh, whatever the most, uh, the least racist movie in their mind is. And so they're like, what's a, oh, we're going to vote for this South Korean movie this year. So people can't call us racist. I, I really do think in the back of their mind, that's the way that the Hollywood uh, film, whatever that group is that votes. They're like, whatever, oh my God, we're going to get called racist again. What was it, like five years ago, four years ago? When did, when did Oscar So White happen? And they were like, oh my God, it's so racist. You remember that? Yeah. It, what was that, it, like four years ago? It was a few years ago. And so they were, they're were they so afraid of being called racist. I think I honestly think that's why Parasite won. I thought Parasite was fine, but I think if Parasite had been a, a movie set in America and it had had all American actors in English, I don't think it would have won Best Picture. Does that make sense? Like, I think the fact that it was a foreign film with subtitles and with, uh, with Asian actors and it had never happened before, I think that's the reason why it won. Can't test it. Maybe the, maybe at some point they'll remake Parasite in uh, in like they remake movies all the time. Maybe they'll remake it and they'll put it in America in like ten or fifteen years, and we'll see how popular it is. But I believe that if they had made that exact same movie, except that it had American actors, I don't think it would have won uh, Best Picture. You buddy buy into my uh, my analysis there? Anybody else buy it? Oh, I'm buying it, and it was four years ago. It was the 88th Academy Awards, where okay. everybody called it the all-white Oscars. Yes, and so yeah, of course they want to they want to make it as though they include everybody, and now they go overboard. Yeah, right. So you get like bonus points for it yep. being a foreign film, and I don't think it would have won. That's a good poll question, actually. Would Parasite have won Best Picture if it were made in America in the exact same film and there weren't subtitles? You buy into this theory, Dub? Yeah, I do, uh, especially with the recency of the all-white Oscars, as you mentioned, only four years ago. They seem to have been, you know, this was kind of a, a statement, if you will. Yeah. So maybe next year, you, you know, you right, digress back to the uh, the no. mean. Maybe when, uh, does, uh, when does Black Panther 2 come out? Is it this year? Is that the Marvel film? Somebody look up when Black Panther, Black Panther 2 is going to win Best Picture. That's my early prediction for Oscars next year. 2022. Tw- it doesn't come out until 2022. That's what the Google How machine was is How long does it take me. so long to make uh, a sequel to this movie? It's like four years after it was. Uh, didn't it come out like 18? I yes, know they schedule like in stair steps all these Marvel movies so they don't want to overload them because they all make a billion dollars now. That's crazy. Well, in 2022, Black Panther 2 will win the best picture. Uh, do you buy into, Eddie, that if this were a movie made in America – well, you haven't seen it. That makes it yeah, harder. I was going to say it's hard for me to judge. But I, look, it's a good it. movie. I think your theory is has a lot of truth to it. I'll put it that way. Like in general, if the movie had been made and it were just you know a typical horror slash drama movie here in the United States, and it had all American actors in it. Would it have won Best Picture? I think the answer is no. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. All right, I think we have Snoop Dogg uh, here as well. Um, Let's go ahead and here is his reaction to the Gail King interview that we played with you a little bit. We may have to play both of these again to start off hour three if you haven't heard it because I know people will wake up with us to start off hour three. But here is Snoop Dogg, furious at Gail King for the question she asked about Kobe Bryant. Gail King, out of pocket for that shit. Way out of pocket. What do you gain from that? I swear to God, we the worst. We 
worse. We expect more from you, Gail. Don't you hang out with Oprah? Why y'all attacking us? We your people. You ain't coming after Harvey Weinstein asking them dumbass questions. I get sick of y'all. I want to call you one. Is it okay if I call her one? Funky dog head. How dare you try to tarnish my homeboy's reputation. Respect the family and back off. Before we come get you. So he threatens her. And again, I'll start with the crew here and then we'll open up phone lines for a larger discussion. I saw absolutely nothing wrong with Gail King's questions of Lisa Leslie. Now, I think you can ask in general, like, why is Lisa Leslie on to talk about Kobe Bryant's legacy? That's a little bit strange to me. Like, I don't know why Lisa Leslie in particular is like such a perfect person to talk about Kobe Bryant. That's a little bit strange to me. But I don't see anything wrong at all with the questions. That seems perfectly normal to me that she would ask. And I also agree with her that just because like, I understand the point of people saying, well, whenever somebody's charged with a, with a crime, what's one of the first things people say? Oh, I'm shocked. I never would have thought this would happen. That's one of the number one reactions when somebody gets charged with a serious crime and they haven't been charged with serious crimes before. So it's not a surprise that if Lisa Leslie is friends with Kobe that she would be surprised that he was charged with rape and she didn't see anything that would suggest that he would be a rapist. Well, that's pretty common. So I don't I don't have any problem with Gail King saying, well, you wouldn't have seen this, right? But I also don't know what you anticipate Lisa Leslie saying there. So I don't see anything wrong at all with her uh, with her questioning. And in general, I think we have to be careful not to deify people And so when someone dies, I think it's appropriate within reasonable time, and I think it's been reasonable time now, it's been two weeks, to talk about their larger legacy, the good and bad of their life. And if you get charged with rape, that's a pretty big bad, right? And if you buy off the accuser, that's a pretty big bad part of your legacy. Do you see anything wrong with that interview, Danny G? No. Yeah, I've done several concerts with Snoop, love him to death, but he overreacted. I didn't have it wasn't a, just him, by the way. He was emblematic of many people overreacting. Right? Well, like, I think one problem people had with that interview was it felt like Gail King was, quote-unquote, leading the witness, where it's okay to ask the questions, but then take her answers for what she but felt I think, in her answers. I understand, but I think you have to follow up if she says, well, I, I guess my question is here, what do you expect her to say? If Lisa Leslie says, oh, yeah, Kobe raped me too, oh, well, that's a that's a big story, right? But well, I don't think you were anticipating that being the answer. So her saying, oh, I didn't think Kobe, I never saw anything that suggested that Kobe Bryant was a rapist. I think her saying, well, it's not a surprise like that you wouldn't have seen that, which also makes me question like the point of the question in general. I mean, where Lisa Leslie said, I believe things happen, but without force. I think a lot of us agree with that. I mean, I knew a person in the Lakers ownership group when this happened, and he told me that Kobe's explanation was that it was consensual, but but, to be, but to she be, didn't like something he did. Okay, but to be fair, how many times have you ever heard a guy accused of rape be like, yeah, I did it? 
Okay. It's always, the defense is always, it's consensual. And I'm saying that as a lawyer who's been involved in these cases before. But Lisa Leslie was speaking as his friend and how she knew him to be. So that was giving us some insight during the interview. So for then Gail King to kind of explain things to her, it's like, are you interviewing her? Are you going to let her answer your questions? Uh, I, I don't have any problem at all with any, like the, my only issue would be why in the world is Lisa Leslie being interviewed? I mean, that, that's, my, that's my only issue with that. I think it's because Kobe was a proponent for the WNBA and, and women's sports and because Lisa Leslie was a friend. But you can argue that one reason Kobe was such an advocate of women's sports was because he got ch- accused of rape. And so he was trying to make amends. Well, you could argue that it's because he had daughters and he was interested in May- helping Gigi make the WNBA Maybe, but someday. I think that started like before he really kind of got involved, I think, on the, the daughter angle. Maybe so. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Now we're talking about Kobe and this Gail King controversy. And I know a lot of people, their alarms go off on the West Coast in the 5 a.m. hour. A lot of people in L.A. waking up right now. So I want to p- play both of these clips really quickly for you. Gail King interviewing Lisa Leslie and asking about the worst part of Kobe Bryant's life, which was the rape charge. And then Snoop Dogg threatening Gail King. And then I'll bring in the rest of the crew. We'll give our opinions and we're going to start to take your calls. 877-996-6369. All right. Uh, here we go. Here is the Gail King interview with Kobe Bryant, which set the universe uh, a, a Twitter a big-time reaction to this when it aired late last week. It's been said that his legacy is complicated because of a sexual assault charge, which was dismissed in 2003, 2004. Is it complicated for you as a woman, as a WNBA player? It's not complicated for me at all. Even if there's a few times that we've been at a club at the same time, Kobe's not the kind of guy, never been like... You know, please go get that girl or tell her or send her this. I have other NBA friends that are like that. Mm-hmm. Kobe's, he, he was never like that. I just never see, have ever seen him being the kind of person that would be, do something to violate a woman or be aggressive in that way. I, that's just not the person that I know. But Lisa, you wouldn't see it though. As his friend, you wouldn't see it. And that's possible. Mm-hmm. I, I just... It's just, I just don't, I just don't believe that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying things didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I just don't believe that things didn't happen with force. Is it even a fair question to talk about it, considering he's no longer with us and that it was resolved? Or is it really part of his history? I think that the media should be more respectful um, at this time, it, it's like if you had questions about it, you've had many years to ask him that. I don't think it's something that we should keep hanging over his legacy. I mean, he went to, it went to trial. Yeah, but the case, is, it was dismissed because the victim in the case refused to testify. So it was dismissed. And I think that that's how we should leave it. All right, that's Gail King. Now, Snoop Dogg was furious how dare Gail King bring up this uh, part of Kobe's past? And he threatened her. Here was a video that Snoop Dogg posted. And by the way, this was emblematic of many people and their reactions on Twitter 
to uh, the interview such that Gail King had to go and uh, talk about it in her own Instagram video. Uh, but here was Snoop Dogg. Gail King, out of pocket for that shit. Way out of pocket. What do you gain from that? I swear to God, we the worst. We the worst. We expect more from you, Gail. Don't you hang out with Oprah? Why are y'all attacking us? We your people. You ain't coming after Harvey Weinstein asking them dumbass questions. I get sick of y'all. I want to call you one. Is it okay if I call her one? Funky dog head. How dare you try to tarnish my homeboy's reputation. Respect the family and back off before we come get you. All right, so he tarnished his own reputation. When you get charged with rape, you have created a tarnish on your own reputation, period. It's not the media's fault for bringing up that aspect of your life. In fact, it's certainly worthy of discussion. Now, we did an entire show on Monday, the day after Kobe died. We didn't talk about it, right? Because my belief is in the immediate aftermath of a death, my first thought isn't, let's talk about the worst thing that this person ever did in their life, right? If you go to a funeral, when somebody is eulogizing the deceased, they don't begin the eulogy by saying, well, except for that time he got arrested, he had a really good life. No, I mean, you try to take the totality of someone's life and you hope that when the positives and the negatives of your life are added up, and trust me, I know we live in this era where we constantly want to cancel people and everybody's constantly being defined only by the worst thing that they do. I'm not of that opinion, right? I think one of the big issues to tie this in with the Oscars is the idea that Kevin Hart can't host the Oscars because somebody's upset about a tweet he sent is crazy to me. Like every single joke is not going to land perfectly and every single comedian is not going to tell a joke that every single person is going to equally respect. Some people are going to be offended by comedians. Some people are going to be offended by this show. So I'm a you know full believer in creative freedom. Whether you're an actor, an actress, I might make fun of Joaquin Phoenix for his stupid you know speeches or Renee Zellweger or whoever they are. It doesn't mean I don't believe they have the right to say whatever they want. I just have the right to fire back and point out that a lot of times actors and actresses sound stupid when they get up at the Oscars. But I didn't see anything wrong at all with what Gail King did. She's trying to contextualize Kobe Bryant's life. Do you see anything at all remotely controversial or wrong about this, Dub? No, I don't. I mean, you can't tell the story of Kobe Bryant without telling that part of the story. I mean, it yeah. was a huge ordeal back early in his professional basketball career and it was a huge story then and just like you can't tell the story of Kobe Bryant without talking about you know what he's done for the WNBA and you know his time with his daughters and how he tried to grow the the women's side of basketball and obviously his playing career and his championships and MVP and all that kind of stuff I mean it's part of the Kobe Bryant story and she was doing her job in asking questions about it because it's, like I said, such a uh, huge part of the story of Kobe Bryant. And this did not air the day after Kobe Bryant died. So again, I think you don't speak ill of the immediately deceased, but just because Kobe Bryant died unexpectedly, unexpectedly 
does not mean you don't talk about this in a larger context. And by the way, I don't understand how, uh, let me just say this about Twitter. I don't understand how people get banned all the time for uh, like very innocuous comments on Twitter about famous people. And Snoop Dogg gets no criticism for threatening Gail King here. How does Twitter allow that video to stay up? That has to violate their terms, right? Direct threats of violence against people because of doing their job? Like, this is a bad... Like I know Snoop Dogg has had some bad looks <laughs> over the years. Trust me. And I think the Dog Father back in the day was probably the greatest rap album of all time. But you can't threaten to hurt somebody because they said something bad about an athlete you like. What about you, Eddie? Is there anything wrong with this? Um, I didn't see anything wrong with it. And Snoop is way out of line on a number of different levels. Uh, and to, to bring up the whole, you know, you're an African-American woman, so you shouldn't be doing anything negative about African-American entertainers or bringing up anything because yeah, you're, which hurting, is you're going after us. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and in fact, if you're only going to be covering people of your own race in a positive way, that's called racism, right? If you're not going to, as a journalist, call balls and strikes evenly, then you can't be trusted with that job. There's lots of people out there in the hagiography business where they only talk about the positive things associated with celebrities. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Those are PR people. That's what they do for a living. But if you are going to be considered a legitimate journalist, you can't treat people differently because they happen to be the same race as you or a different race as you. Now, I do think that a lot of people, there is hypocrisy. You know, like Harvey Weinstein was very much connected in the Hollywood firmament until suddenly these stories come out. And I definitely think there were a lot of people who looked the other way with Harvey Weinstein. But Kobe Bryant won an Oscar at the Me Too Oscars. They retired his jersey at the same time that this Harvey Weinstein uh, conflagration is starting. And by the way, Harvey Weinstein on trial right now for, uh, for sexual assault. So I think if Gail King were talking to a friend of Harvey Weinstein's for an interview, she probably would have to ask about Harvey Weinstein too. But I don't even understand how Gail King ever became a target here. And this to me is an example sometimes of how social media can create stories where there shouldn't be some at all. I don't see anything wrong with Gail King. If you do, what am I missing? And again, I set this up by saying it's part of the larger conversation of where are the limits of redemption and also how do you talk about someone's bad parts of their life when they die unexpectedly? Everybody's life has both good and bad. And if you are a famous person, then I think the media has an obligation to talk about your life in totality and include the good with the bad. And certainly the worst public moment of Kobe Bryant's life was being charged with rape and buying off his accuser for probably millions of dollars. And if you are not familiar with that story, that's when really the Kobe Bryant-Shaquille O'Neal beef exploded because in taped interviews, Kobe Bryant said Shaq always bought off girls. 
and asked why he couldn't just give her money immediately when he was being questioned. First, he lied and said he never slept with her to police. And then he eventually said, oh, no, no, we slept together, but it was consensual. That's all on tape. And as part of that interrogation, he says, well, Shaq always just pays off girls. Which is when Shaq was like, dude, how in the world can you not keep your mouth shut? You immediately drag me into this. Remember, Kobe didn't miss a game. He was flying back and forth during the court proceedings. He apologized to the woman. And the apology reads basically like an apology for rape. It's a big part of his legacy. I don't think it's the first thing you think of when he dies, and that's why I wouldn't have been like like that Washington Post reporter. My first thought wasn't, oh my God, I've got to share this story about Kobe Bryant being accused of rape in the 45 minutes after he died. But in the days ahead, I think it's certainly a valid discussion to have. And for purposes of this, when Gail King asked that question, I don't think she did anything wrong at all. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.